Praise God. God is here. Amen. Amen. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord this morning, celebrating new life in baptisms, celebrating what Christ has done on the cross. Amen. Yeah, it's so good. Hey, today we're going to do, I'm going into our final message, our final message in Luke that we've been doing for a while now. We've had eight messages in Luke uh, and it's just so awesome. We've been looking at rethinking and refreshing some of our core truths of our faith. It's just so important that we've got the word of God in our hearts and our life. And especially as it's coming up to Easter. Uh, we've had some, I, I trust that you have uh, enjoyed this space. I think that probably this is the best preparation I've ever had personally for Easter. Yeah? Uh, just work with the, the Easter devotional that we've been going through as a church. And uh, I think uh, uh, we've been going through, we've been preparing ourselves in prayer and twice a week and then on Sunday. And we've just been just slowing ourselves. And then on Thursday night, we had a special time uh, just in scripture uh, on our Thursday night prayer. And, and we were just enjoying the presence of the Lord and what he's done. Just being quiet, not rushing on too fast. On Easter Sunday, uh, on Good Friday, not rushing on too fast from what He did on the cross, because it's so easy for us to run to the resurrection when we go, "Yeah, come on, let's get there." This is where the power is. No, but we we paused, considering the pain that that Jesus went through and why He went through it for us, and we're so thankful. We're so thankful for that. And then uh, you know, our family, we we just we paused on. On Good Friday evening, and as a family, we thank the Lord for what He'd done on the cross. Just such a great preparation for what God has done. So, today I'm speaking to you from Luke 24, and it's a message titled A Different Return. You know, we find ourselves at Jesus' resurrection in Luke 24. And uh, then in, in the fi- we, we see also the final few interactions that Jesus had with people before his ascension to heaven. Now, perhaps unlike us today at our Easter Sunday service where we've been so joyful, so exuberant, uh, those who met with Jesus after his resurrection uh, weren't in a mode of celebration and thanksgiving. They weren't. To tell you the truth, they were probably confused, overwhelmed, downhearted, and even disappointed. They'd spent enough time around, with, with or around Jesus to expect something was going to happen after, uh, after his death. Something they expected was going to happen. But they all sh- assumed it was going to look quite different than it actually did turn out. They expected a different return. You know, we all have 2020 vision in hindsight, don't we? 2020 vision in hindsight. I remember when I first got my uh, glasses when I was about 14 or 15 years old. I remember it was at Chaston Shopping Centre and I walked into the glasses shop at OPSM there. And uh, I remember I walked in like it was the 1950s. Everything was black and white. Everything was dull and a bit soft around the edges. And then I sat down in the chair and they handed over the glasses. I put them on and they said, have a look around. And suddenly, everything was bright like the 90s. Because it was the 90s. 
It was bright and it was crisp. It's like I could see clearly now. Oh, there's a song there. Yeah. I could see clearly. And it was like, oh, is this what it's always been like? But there's so much clarity in 2020 vision. And there's so much clarity in hindsight. When you look behind and you see what has come. Now, we've we've got that benefit here today. As children of God, we've got the word of God and we've got what he did on the cross. And we know the end of the story. But they didn't at that time. They didn't know. They didn't have that kind of clarity. And they were in the middle of the story and we already know the ending. But you see, Jesus had told them of his coming resurrection multiple times. From Luke chapter 9, Jesus had said multiple times, both explicitly and referenced in parables, he had inferred that I am going to, I am going to die on a cross at the hands of, uh, at the hands of the, uh, everyone that was coming against him, but I'm going to rise again. But they still didn't hear it. Perhaps his return was so different. His return was so different than they expected that it seemed like nonsense. Let's read from chapter 24, verse 1, about Jesus who had risen. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. That was different. They expected it to be there. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you why he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself, What had happened? Today I want to say to you, church, so often we miss what God is saying to us. And we build our hope on a truth that we prefer. So often we miss what God is saying to us and we build our hope on a truth that we prefer. But our hope must be set on on God's truth from his perspective. God's truth from his perspective. The women at the tomb, the apostles, Peter, and pretty much everyone else in Israel have been reading their Bible through the wrong end of the telescope. 
They've been seeing it as the long story of how God will save his people from suffering. But instead it was the story of how God would save his people through suffering. And they got it all wrong. And specifically it was through the suffering of a man, the Messiah Jesus himself. And that's what we are remembering today. We need to pause for a moment here because our hope for life must be set on truth from God's perspective. Amen? Truth from God's perspective. Because when I understand and when you understand truth from God's perspective rather than your own, it it aids us to walk through life's ups and downs. Amen? Through life's ups and downs, which is a.k.a. it's life's suffering. It aids us to walk through suffering towards the hope that he has set before us. It helps us to, Philippians 4.13, forget what is behind and push forward to what is ahead. Amen? To press on towards the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God uses our lives ups and downs, our relationships, our decisions to school us in his curriculum. And we can't waste a moment of it. You know, as a young man, I really used to struggle a lot with self-worth and some form of anxiety. But I'm not sure that I would have called it anxiety back then. But it was just a twist in the stomach at all times. Felt heavy. Why? I don't know. And I can remember for months on end having this sense of nausea and like an unsettled stomach. For some reason I have this, this memory of being up in Queensland visiting my brother and for some reason we were in the Macca's drive through Maybe I was very excited to be in the Macca's drive through I don't know. But I had this twisting in my stomach and it was just driving me crazy. Why can't I feel a peace? I knew the Lord. Why don't I feel a peace? And we went with, to a doctor, mum and I, we, we went to try and sort it out medically, you know, and I went to, I remember this natural therapies doctor, and, and he prescribed St. John's Wort, uh, which is like a natural antidepressant. Now, that didn't really do anything for me. But for years it plagued me, it was, it was heavy on me. Why have I got this, this, this twist in my stomach and this heaviness? You know, in the end, the only way I found forward was to train my my mind in who I was in Christ. Focus on truth. That's the only thing I could do. Focus on truth. Because I needed to focus on what Christ had done on the cross. Truth. Not a truth that I preferred. A truth that was based on truth from God's perspective and not mine. Because as much as I knew about God at that age, I still didn't understand what God, what God thought I was from his perspective. And my hope needed to be set on God's truth from his perspective. So I was given a book, Victory Over the Darkness, by Neil T. Anderson, in which he goes through steps to freedom in Christ. Old book, but I'm sh- it's still full of so much truth. And it's based around a list of I am statements from the rear of the book. 
It was truth that got so solidified in my mind and heart that still the Holy Spirit uses it to draw to my mind today. I was fashioning my mind around God's perspective and not mine. And to to this day, I still give out this one page of I am statements. You know, telling people to put it on the back of their toilet door, which I did as a teenager. You know, sometimes I feel a little bit silly handing this thing out. Perhaps it's a little bit Sunday schoolish, a little bit too simple, a little bit too elementary. But then I'm reminded that it is the truth that sets me free. And when I remind myself of truth from God's perspective, then I can set my hope on Him and I live truth from God's perspective. And some of these statements are, you can see some of them. Go back to the first page. These are statements that are straight from Scripture. And it's who I am in Christ. It was like, I am God's child. I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. I've been chosen by God and adopted as His child. I am complete in Christ. I really felt that somebody needed to really hear that today. You're complete. In Christ. I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. You know, if you listen to me just about any time, if I'm presenting communion, I will say that. I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. Because it is so powerful to me that no matter what I have done, my, my, my righteousness and everything that I have is built on Christ. And he is, I don't go into his presence through my own righteousness, the right things that I've done. I go in in his. And so I can go boldly into his throne room, boldly approach God only because of what he's done on the cross. That's true. That's, that's something that defines your mind. And then it is recalled when, when, when things are getting tough and when you're starting to doubt yourself and say, well, I'm not worthy, there's too much sin in my life and I'm not worthy to approach God. No, the Word of God reminds us, no, it is not because of what you've done, but because of what He's done. Amen? What He's done. And so I can recall those kind of scriptures. Next page. I am significant. I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God. You know how many times that that statement has come to mind when I've been in the middle of a difficult situation and I know God wants to bring His power and God wants to do the reconciliation And what am I? I'm a representative in that time. I'm a minister of reconciliation. Right there in the moment. And I I need to be reminded of these things. So thankful for the word of God. Alive in me. Let's continue with the scripture. And I'm going to read a lot now because it tells the story. This, This is the road to Emmaus. Now... That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and he walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. And he asked them, what are you discussing as to, together as you walk along? And their faces, they, they, they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it was the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they couldn't find his body. They came and they told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. Now he said to them, How foolish are you and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for this is, it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And so they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened and on the way and, and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke Bread. There's a few things that just don't make sense to me here. Why on earth did Cleopas and his travelling companion, who was most likely his wife Mary, why did they not recognise Jesus? Why? We don't know. We don't really know. I mean, they knew him. They were likely to be close to him. They weren't apostles, but they were part of the inner circle. So they should have recognised him. I mean, we, uh, if I was walking with my good friend, I'm sure I would know him. The only explanation that we have for this, for sure, is in verse 16. They were kept from recognising him. They were just kept. God can do anything. Kept them from realising who he was. But it's also likely that Jesus wanted to teach them something some truth about himself over that two-hour walk. That two-hour walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. He wanted to teach them some things because there were some things they needed to be reminded of. 
So in verse 25, Jesus called them foolish. Not very nice for a man they just met. He called them foolish and slow of heart to believe the scriptures. And it was likely that their outward ability to recognize Jesus mirrored their inward unbelief of what the scriptures revealed about him. So they get to town and Cleopas asks him in for the evening to eat and rest with them. Now, this probably would have been a custom for the day uh, to do for a traveller that that was supposed to be walking. Then comes the big reveal. The big reveal. They sit at the table and I just imagine it. They were just going about, you know, we're just going to eat. But Jesus goes, they're going to see something now. They're going to see something of who I am. They sit at the table and Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it. And suddenly their eyes were opened. Their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then, bang, he's gone. He'd done what he needed to do. This has puzzled me for years. This whole not recognizing him. And then once he broke the loaf of bread, uh, it became clear to them. It's just puzzled me. What, what's going on here? I mean, I understand the imagery of Jesus being the bread of life and his body was broken for us, but it is not clear why he he was hidden into their view until he physically broke the bread. But I think I'm beginning to understand. As it was then, and as it is today, eating together, breaking bread, is like a deep part of building relationship. Amen? We sit together and we break bread together. That's why it's, that's, that's called fellowship. One fellow, another fellow, coming together around a table, fellowship, enjoying time together. Families eat together. Friends have each other over for dinner or they go out to a restaurant. So much relationship and building of our lives happens together around food and time together. You know, some of my most memorable, memorable times post-COVID uh, has to be when we were finally able to eat with friends. Simply eat with friends, to break bread with friends and families and those meaningful to me. You know, when, whenever Pastor Sharon and Pastor Penin say at the office on a Monday morning, who wants to go for lunch? Even when I brought my healthy lunch of vegetables, I just want to go. I just want to go to lunch for good food, of course. But just because I love the conversations that go on. I love the conversations uh, that build relationship over over lunch. But oh, I wish Pastor Sharon wouldn't tempt me. <laughs> and I believe that Jesus was trying to powerfully demonstrate using an everyday part of life that eating together is about relationship and that we get to know him fully through truth that he revealed on the way to Emmaus and relationship. Truth and relationship. Truth and relationship with a person. Not just truth, not just a list of rights and wrongs and things to do in our Christian faith, but truth coupled with relationship. Truth with God in human form, the person, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Relationship. Truth and relationship. And that's what was happening then. 
The road to Emmaus allowed Jesus to communicate the deep truths about himself, but it didn't quite make sense to them until they sat and they ate with him in relationship. It was not just through the understanding of information about him, it was through relationship with a person. And this is the whole story. Truth and relationship. Truth and fellowship. I don't think I'm ever going to take communion again the same way. Now getting a grasp of this connection between truth and relationship around the breaking of bread. To sit with him, communing with him, sitting around a table and supping with the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful relationship that we could have never thought up, never thought up, never come, come to terms with it. We would have had a, a distant God on a throne far away from us. But no, it was the truth of God that came near through relationship. And we understand that truth and relationship come together and then we know him personally. And that is what we have got in this beautiful resurrection story here we've got a person that rose again rose again and a person that lives in you and me now I love their next question to each other Cleopas and probably his wife but I love their next question were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Burning. Wasn't that a heart burning within us? You know, I identify with these comments so deeply. So deeply. When God's truth is communicated, my heart rises and it burns within me. I never forget and I'm going to put him on the spot here. The first time I met Robin, who's the wonderful man we have greeting you at the, at the doors down there. First time I met Robin was on Zoom during the middle of COVID. And he went into prayer. And scripture was read. And you could tell that the scripture and the words of Jesus were burning with him in, in him because by the end of his prayer, the tears were streaming down his face and dripping off his nose. But he's confident of it. Burning within him, the scripture, alive, because it met with a person, Jesus, and his death on the cross. I had the privilege of speaking at an Easter reflection in, in, in my parents' uh, retirement village last Wednesday night and Winston played the hymns and we had a great night with the oldies. And after I gave the message, I, I, I had a great conversation with a number of people, some dear ladies who were, who were at their age were discovering or rediscovering God, some in their 80s, some in their 90s. Rediscovering God at that age, which is awesome and beautiful. But one lady, almost bursting out of her skin, said to me, Paul, when you were speaking, I felt like you were speaking to me, and I, like I was the only one in the room, and my heart was beating hard. To which I affirmed her and said, that's because now you know Jesus personally, that the Holy Spirit is making that word alive in you. Alive. Alive. Truth in a person. Truth in a person. Truth in a person. Alive in us. Beautiful. We could have never thought it up. 
truth coming alive through relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. It is genius. Only God could have thought it. Who would have thought it even gets better than that? You see, some of you don't know the Lord as your personal saviour today. And so I'm going to go through the gospel story now and basically tell you what God wanted in a beautiful way. In the Garden of Eden, at the beginning of the Bible, God was present in that garden with Adam and Eve. And he knew them and there was no shame. There was no separation between them. And that's the kind of relationship that God wanted to have. No separation. But we know the story and then sin came in the world. Sin came in the world when the serpent tempted Eve and Eve decided she was going to go and take that fruit from the tree and that she was going to become like a God and she was going to understand good and evil and she was going to be in control of our own destiny. And, well, we know what trouble that got them in and Adam did the same. And then the whole of the Israelite story, the whole story from then, all through the Old Testament, what was happening is there, was, there, was, there had to be an intermediary between God and his people. There had to be a high priest and there, has to be, uh, there had to be sacrifices, sacrifices after sacrifices to be made right. And while this served the purpose for the time, it was not ultimately what God desired. He wanted his people, he wanted you and me to be united with him in relationship, in intimacy, in close, close relationship with him. So he decided he would take his son and he would put his son on that cross. Or he would send him to earth. He would put his son on the cross To die for our sin. And he died for our sin. And his blood was poured out. Because he knew that this was the only way to have 
the Lamb of God, without blemish, without sin, to be made sin for us and to take that upon himself on the cross and that he was sacrificed. Jesus was sacrificed, held to this cross and his blood poured. His blood poured out. And while everybody thought that it was finished, it wasn't. Because in his resurrection, what happened? Is that his righteousness His righteousness, His right standing with God was taken and put on us. Because of that we live in Christ. Amen. from verse 46 he told them this is what it is written the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and the repentance for for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem you are witnesses of these things today people you are witnesses of these things of what he has done on the cross and I am going to send what my father has promised But stay in the city until you have been clothed. Clothed like the righteousness of Christ. Clothed with power from on high. And he was saying the Holy Spirit was going to come. That's why it doesn't end here. This story does not end there. It's beautiful. The Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. To dwell within you and to dwell within me. The spirit of truth to live in you and in me. Now that's truth and relationship as close as it gets. God, through the Holy Spirit, dwelling within us. Truth, relationship together. And John 14, 16, 8 says that it's the Holy Spirit who is another advocate, another helper, who is there to clothe us with power from on high for ministry. 
And the Holy Spirit will testify that you will never be alone. You will never be orphans. And even when Jesus left and ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit came on them and resided with them within all believers. This is good news, amen? This is good news. This is good news. No, this is worth focusing on. Worth focusing on. So in a few weeks' time, we're going to begin a new series on the Holy Spirit. And this is not an ad. This is telling you this is really important. We are heading into a series of nine weeks. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And it's entitled, Holy Spirit, He is more. Holy Spirit, He is more. And I'm so passionate about this. That we realize there is so much more to be understood about the Holy Spirit. That He is an equal and active part, just as Jesus is. Equal and active part of the Trinity. That He is a person and not just a feeling. And to be honest, we have undervalued Him so greatly. We realize there is so much more to be experienced in the Holy Spirit and and that He seeks to fill us every day. And we're going to mark Pentecost. I don't believe we've ever done it as a church. We're going to mark the day of Pentecost, which is Sunday, 28th of May, and we will have a special prayer and worship night the night before. Because this is important. The Holy Spirit lives within you and me. And that is the time when the Holy Spirit came upon the church. And we realize that there is so much more power available to us to overcome, to minister and to live. And so we will seek his empowerment. So church today, I hope you've heard the message. Truth coupled with relationship in a person resides within you and me through the Holy Spirit even today. We're so thankful for his death and his resurrection, but we're so thankful that today we are alive in Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells within. Amen? Amen. This is so good. Let us stand and let's pray. Would you hold out your hands and let's just ask the Lord to be here right now. Lord, we thank you that we are clothed in your righteousness because of what you did on the cross. We are thankful that we stand here today as men and women as men and women who know you. And some of us don't know you. But I pray, Lord, that each one of these people here today goes into a greater relationship with you today, acknowledging who, what you did for them on the cross, that we could have never been right ourselves, never right ourselves by our own strength to be good enough to enter your presence and approach the throne of grace. But today we approach you with confidence, knowing that what we, we are wearing your clothes. We are wearing your clothes of righteousness. And Lord, we thank you that it didn't just end there. But you sent another advocate, another help, helper. To fill us and to dwell within. And today we stand here full 
of the Holy Spirit, knowing that He testifies towards you, constantly prompting us about Christ, constantly encouraging, constantly counselling and drawing us back to the Word. And we're thankful. And we want to live as those kind of people, not ignoring the truth, not having the truth from our own perspective, but having the truth from your perspective and living by that Word. God, would you bless each person standing here? Would they have a new revelation of who you are by the Holy Spirit? And may we as a church step into what your calling is for us in a greater measure. Lord, I pray for anybody who does not know you this morning. Lord, I pray that they have had an understanding uh, presented to them and that the Holy Spirit has been tugging at their heart and they want to put their hand up and say, I am ready. I'm ready to step into relationship with you. So if there is somebody here this morning that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as your personal saviour, we would love for you to come up the front afterwards and let one of the pastors know that you want to enter into that kind of relationship and we will pray with you and we will consider what the Lord has done. Amen? So God bless you, church. Let's sing now. Let's sing and lift up the name of the Lord. Amen?